Welcome into the Just Basketball Show for August 1st. Wow, August 1st. July has come and gone. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. Thanks again to Dylan Heiser for his work on production. We are, I, I should, because we didn't say a name, we normally say Jake Stevens is moving on to some other stuff. Team's changed it up a little bit over here, but shout out to Jake. I'm still working with him over at, at Locked On, and that's my guy. And he did an awesome job with us to get this pot off the ground the last however many months we've been doing it. Uh, I have no conception of time, so I couldn't tell you actually how many months. We've six? Right, like six. Sure. I no idea. This The last four months for me, Brendan, have felt about like two years. Understandable. Yes. All right. Uh, I want to tell you, by the way, about our friends at Homage. Found in the 2007, Homage is an ultra-comfortable specialty apparel company using vintage-inspired designs to pay homage to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. They offer a range of awesome apparel, NFL, NBA, MLB, and many, many more, and WNBA. I'll be wearing a my Homage Liberty t-shirt in New York when I go to the Libs game on Sunday against the Aces. Remember, they're not just another fan t-shirt company. They craft the softest, most nostalgic clothing for sports fans, pop culture aficionados, and everybody in between. Uh, click the link in the podcast description below and some of the money from your purchase because you're going to want to buy yourself or someone you love something is going to come back to support the Just Basketball Show. So please go and do that. And remember, hit subscribe on the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel and follow us on your podcast platform of choice. Later in the show, the athletic Sabrina Merchant comes back to the show. We're going to talk about who else besides the Aces can win the WNBA title. A lot of Liberty talk, a lot of Dallas Wings talk, a lot of great stuff in that conversation. So hope you stay tuned for that. Big thing on the NBA side there, though, Brendan, is this Damian Lillard memo. Uh, This is sent out to the league, all 30 teams, regarding the Damian Lillard trade request away from Portland and what what the Heat comments about and just kind of the whole chicanery going around this right now. Uh, The memo, according to reports, has made clear that comments from Lillard or his agent Aaron Goodwin, who has been very active... Uh, in trying to steer Dame to South Beach could result in discipline from the league. It also stated that similar behavior from other players in the future could mean discipline for those players as well. Uh, you can find the memo in full at Bleach Report via Chris Haynes. Funny how uh, Chris Haynes got his hands on that memo, Brendan. I'm just a lot of just, a, a lot of reporters had it. But I'm yeah. just, I'm just, I'm. It's just like that's the, the the aggregation that I read, and that was just like connecting the dots. I'm like, ah, yes, the guy. If something gets sent out to all 30 teams. The league knows that it's going to be. Uh... But it's, just, I, I just mean like the Dame part of it is is funny on the Chris Haynes thing. Well, that's what I, that's what I was getting at. Sure, I think. Um, okay, so what do you think of this memo? What what do you make of this happening within this this ongoing Dame saga? I don't really think it's that interesting within the dame part of it honestly i think it's more to me uh it tells us a lot about what the league cares about it tells us a lot about what owners are worried about as these situations continue to pop up off season after off season we had ben simmons with philadelphia which had a little bit of a different shape to it because of the mental and physical health 
parts of it that he was claiming to be like actually unable to play, but that was ugly. And Kevin Durant last summer, which dragged on into the season and ended up with a, a blown up team. And and now this Damian Lillard thing and, and the James Harden part of it as well, which I actually do want to touch on. But to me, it, I, honestly, where I start is like, it was just a little strange to see the league snap into such aggressive action, Chris, on what has been kind of like what's been said rather than what actually has happened. You know, it's not punishing yeah. or, or going after Lillard or doing some sort of investigation after training camp has begun and Lillard is not working out in Portland or something, right? This is like a war of words and, and the league kind of wanting to tamp down on like media leaks. It that That was the part of it, like just from a very top level that got my attention is like, why did they care so much about the, an idea that something may happen? Where my brain went is that I think so, with something like this, I don't th- always think the league understands like why a lot of people like the league, right? This, this feels like them looking at this and saying the chatter about this, how public this has gotten, what this sort of looks like, maybe the, 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 what this goes for going forward, like what this means going forward. I think they don't like what the message that sends publicly. Despite the fact that I know this one has maybe played out slightly more publicly than other stuff, that I'm sure this has happened before. I guarantee you this has happened before. This is not going to be the first time an agent, Aaron Goodwin or Clutch or CAA or Excel or any of these agencies, those agents aren't doing their job unless they're like trying to dictate to where their client wants to go in some cases, right? Like for these star level guys, that's part of this business. People also like this stuff. I think the NBA with something like this is not always realizing what people are super interested in at times. I think that's kind of the weirdest part of this to me. I think I understand this falls very in line to me with what Adam Silver has really been about in a lot of ways as the commissioner of the NBA. It has been parody. It has been, you know, small markets can succeed too. This isn't just a big market league where guys are getting funneled to certain markets and teams in in the the cities no one really cares about are going to have just kind of add teams. They're going to lose their stars all the time. I get that. Portland is certainly a market that where I think that could be a fear and Dame has been there and now wants out. I think that that's probably a fear. I also just don't understand like what this actually accomplishes when you think about what a lot of interest in the NBA seems to be and what drives a lot of talking about the NBA. I think I think that is what I don't totally get about this. I kind of understand wanting to not have this play up publicly because that's just that falls very in line with what Adam Silver has been about. I just think this kind of it's like at odds with with what is driving a lot of the NBA's status in in the American sports culture to me. Yeah, I think so. F- our friend Wes Goldberg at Locked On Heat was making the really point good pod, that, really good pod. Yeah, that, that this did, by the way, this memo is not anti-trade requests. It actually doesn't really relate to the trade request itself whatsoever, no, uh, much at all. So, well, so what you're saying is that this is a, an attempt to protect teams from players being traded away from a small market. It has nothing to do with the trade. It's, 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 it's solely focused on. Like what does, what are Goodwin and Lillard implying about like the the lengths that they will go to in order to not, uh, in order to dictate where they do go, right? Like the trade is going to happen, and and even Woj pointed this out, and it feels like Woj and Shams are 
almost like in their words kind of laughing at this if you if you listen to their reports like this is this is just optics this is just a pr play that's that's really all it is and and Woj pointed out that Cronin Joe Cronin the the Blazers front office they released a public statement when Lillard when it leaked that he had finally met with them and asked to be traded that Saturday after free agency so the organization acknowledged that he requested a trade, acknowledged that they were going to work to find a trade and reset the franchise and that they appreciated everything he had done and, and all the stuff you hear and something like that. That wasn't the issue. That never was the issue. I think that is the part that goes on a lot. And to your point, has there been a time like in the past when an agent exerted some sort of leverage in order to get somebody where they want to go? Like, yeah, you're to like, I... I think everybody would agree with that. I, th that's why I went to the, the optics part of this is it's like what's different now is the agent is going on the record to like the Miami Herald or whatever, Barry Jackson, that guy down there, I don't know where he works, who tweeted out a statement of like basically he may, he may not show up. He may not work out. He may not, you know, report to the team if it's not the Miami Heat. I think that's what the league is responding to. But again, it's just – sort of crazy to see such a reaction to just like the idea of that or like the leakage that that may happen and like i even think about it from the standpoint of like as a thought exercise a little bit like how is that much different from harden right now it's not it's the only difference is that the t is out in the public and there's no deniability that that's the only difference here the harden thing is cryptic instagram posts Daryl Morey talking on a on a team, I think team like a radio station in Philly, mm -hmm. that has I think a relationship with the 76ers. If I'm wrong about that, okay, it's still like a local radio station. He didn't sure. like go on Malik with Malika Andrews on ESPN or or Wendy on the Hoop Collective or something. Or they're just basketball. But even show then, and I like, know, a, like a, a and team. Like things. Team you didn't even notice that I tried want. to. You didn't even notice what I did there with our own I show, Brendan. Okay. What did you say? I said I said go on Malika Andrews and ESPN, the Hoop Collective with Wendy or the Just Basketball Show. I put us in the S third. Daryl Morey can come on anytime. It is an open invitation. We can but talk about case, ping pong and Illyrio, Ohio, and and I would James love to Harden hear about his musical. Personally, the the what? He wrote a musical. Oh my God! Okay, Daryl Morey. You gotta look this up now. You gotta, you gotta Google this. Um, no, I'm saving it for when he comes on and we talk about growing up in Northeast Ohio and, and musicals. That's all we'll talk about, Daryl. We promise. Perfect. Now, no, nothing else not relevant true, not true. to a, a not, podcast not, called The Just Basketball. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually love that would our just title ask fights against us in that way. So yeah, uh, so Daryl, what you, what was it? What is it like arranging photo shoots on private jets with James Harden? Can we talk about it? Can you give us a little bit into your artistical? Uh, <laughs> It's called it's called small ball. Oh my god! I can't believe you had no idea this happened. This was such like a big thing when it when it came out. It was like uh, it looks like 2018. Uh, Brennan, so much has happened between 2018 and now that it's possible. My, I, it's just like I dumped out of the back of my head. It's entirely possible. It is a parallel universe where the main character is called Michael Jordan. Well, okay, move. I can't do this anymore. Let's let's get back to that. I'm sorry I derailed this. Let's move. Let's get back to Damian Lillard and what and I was gonna us. say. The reason I interrupted oh. you and I did get us off course by doing that is That's it doesn't really fault. matter what Daryl Morey says. He's allowed to say it. He works for the team who makes trades. That's his job. I think that again, like to your point, um, it must. It really is just on the Harden side, and like part of why I threw that out there and called it a thought exercise is like. It really just boils down to the difference that 
Lillard and his agent have made it so clear that he only wants to go to one place. Like Kevin Durant theoretically last summer had the Miami Heat on his list, right? Even though no reasonable person would have thought that at the time. And there was an actual bidding war that ensued where like the Celtics were in on him for a moment and everything else. And Ben Simmons didn't even do any of that related. He, he didn't want to play for his own team. He didn't make any threats about any. He would love, love to play almost anywhere else is what it seemed like, although maybe not Brooklyn, I guess. Uh, but like, that's that's the crazy part of it. Here, is that it's, here's the it's other, coming, it's bringing yeah. the hammer down so much just because you like said the quiet part out loud. That's kind of embarrassing to be that worried about optics and PR that somebody like crosses a line like that and it's like all hell has broken loose. Yeah, look, I, I think, honestly, let me ask you this as a thought exercise, Brendan. I tend to think it would be better for everybody in a, in a if we were going to just be adults about all of this and that guys want to move, that trades happen, that relationships break down, that life is messy sometimes, that the NBA can be a messy place sometimes. If we just kind of acknowledge that inherently, I think a little bit more publicly and didn't treat everything like it was like a state secret... Mm-hmm. And the NBA doesn't freak out when you talk, kind of acknowledge that this is messy and that, like, sometimes, like, a guy that signs a contract isn't going to spend five years with, with the team he signed the contract with or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think we'd all be better off. I do. I, I think, I think in a world where, like, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit out here and say that, like, it would be great if, like, every time Demi Lil for the league, it would be good for us as, like, media people and content creators. Mm-hmm. Um, if like every time someone's unhappy, if they just like ethered it, they went out to their local beat reporter and just were like, "Hey man, like this sucks. Like I hate that." What Joel and beats like, I hate Nick Nurse's offense. Like I wish I saw a docker said something insane like that, right? Or like if Julius Randle every time he doesn't like what Tibbs is asking him to do, he just like lost it to to someone at the post or or whatever. Calls into calls into a radio station and just like talks whatever. I'm not saying that. But I'm, I think sometimes if they just acknowledge that like this is just like part of life and this is part of business and this is part of the league that we are in, I think we'd all just be better off. We could just think they could just be more adult about this. That this just happens. Like you can't put the genie back in the bottle on this. This is not something you can just like shove away and like try to like deter. I think if you just acknowledge that this is going to happen again and that different versions of this are happening right now, it happened this summer. Like really, even in beyond the Harden thing. There's not like a ton difference between that. Like, yes, he had a no trade clause, but like Bradley Beal got to like pick where he wanted to go, and they got to dictate the Wizards' plans. Damian Lillard's trying to do the same thing. James Harden is is trying to dictate himself to go to a certain place. If Joel Embiid wants to trade in six months or a year, eighteen months or whatever, there's no way he's going to be like, just trade me wherever. That's cool. It's fine. I, I'll go to. I'll go to. I'll go to an expansion team, whatever. Like, no, he's going to want to go to the Knicks. He's going to want to go to a team in a market that he wants to. That's how this works. And I think acting like some of this isn't like, is, like trying to act like that isn't like part of how business is done. I think is just, I think it's a little bit silly. I think it's a little bit backwards. I think it's a little bit childish. Yeah. But the league like, that's what's crazy to me is the league is acknowledging that it works a certain but way. It, and this but just it also, isn't but it how they're allowing it to, it to work. Yeah, it's I like, think this that's, is not that's okay. my point. That's my point. I think they're saying they don't want it to work the way, despite the fact that, like, this is just, like, how it has worked but forever. But how crazy I think- is it that they're implicitly saying by, by, by having this be a line that's crossed and they go so far as to do interviews with the players, uh, the stakeholders in the situation and release a memo that, as we started with, they knew would be leaked and they knew this would be a news story and they knew people like us would talk about it. 
they're they're less okay with this than for instance the pseudo holdout that inspired a generation of memes which was james harden in 2020 when he wanted out of houston and wanted to go to brooklyn how is that okay and we basically never heard a peep about that situation but this one's not that's what's so crazy to me that they're and why i keep like relying on the optics part of it is like they don't and it's not even optics of like the good or bad it's optics of like what the power dynamic is like it's almost like they're more chill about uh harden making a mockery of things as long as he shows up than to be embarrassed by harden and by being embarrassed by harden i mean tillman fertita i mean the owners they don't want to be embarrassed by what's going on and that's what crossed the line here when you're saying i'm not going to do like work for you i'm not going to like participate in the contract that's been signed types of things then it inspires like the panic and the pr meltdown that's come but james harden can show up overweight and barely try and it's like yeah just get him to brooklyn and everybody will move on like that's so crazy to me here's the other part about this that I, I think is worth maybe asking as a follow-up to that, or at least in my opinion. This isn't something that like happened like last week. This has happened like weeks ago at this point. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting to me that like this is just coming out now that they're just kind of talking about that now, right? Like it's not like this happened over the weekend when Jane uh, Dimlod was at the the Crawford Spence fight and was like in a very public place and didn't like he didn't say anything there as far as I know. Like this is weeks old at this point. We're in like a that it's by all accounts that that trade demand is in a stalemate to some degree. Like that that trade isn't a holding pattern. Why so? Why now? Is it like did did it take that long to really get to the bottom of this? Like did it? Like I I don't. That's the other part of this that doesn't make sense to me, Brendan. So do you think that that it's like cover for the Blazers to be able to do the trade and show that they put up <laughs> their best fight? I mean that's that's kind of like the. I don't want to go there, but it's interesting to me that like that was one of the ways that Wes and David Ramil over at Lockdown Heat like talked about it. And those two guys know that team and have been thinking about the situation. I think at and like at a daily basis and a really detailed level. And like that, like they, one of the posits they talked about on the show. I don't want really to want to like make their argument for them. You should go listen to that show. It's really good. I had a good listen and made me think about that this in a, in a certain way after listening to it. That was one of the things they wondered is like, does this memo make this trade easier to happen now? Because like the Blazers like have are able to cover face a little bit, so to speak, mm-hmm. with, with some of, well, some of the Dame optics. Do you, do you subscribe to that theory? I mean, I don't know why happened, the NBA would care about the Trailblazers this much. I mean, but, well, so the, the only reason that I think it could be part of that is that Adam Silver does have... Adam Silver is a small market defender. That's that, his that job is to part. Be. I mean, it's not about Adam yeah. Silver, right? I, but I think he, like, I, is he, he more he, of a small market person than any other commissioner in any sport has ever been? I don't think of him that way. I, I kind of do. I do. For I what? think he's a little uh, the, the way he talks about parity, the way he talks about balance, the way he talks about player movement. I don't think like he feels very distinct in that way to me versus like a David Cern. I, that might just be me. That might just be my perception of him. I'm. I'm not. I'm willing to argue. You can tell me that I'm wrong, and I'll be like, sure, that's cool. I think I could be wrong. But I feel like Adam Silver is a, a part of his legacy is going to be being somewhat preoccupied, not preoccupied, but like very concerned with the optics of small market teams and the competitive balance of the NBA. I think that is one of his missions. Yeah. 
I really do. And I think the Blazers, as a team and not a glamour market, not a, a team that could be for sale soon, let's think about that as well. There's just but like again, a lot like, with... I, I, I but again, like, this, this is like isn't about case. the Blazers trading him or not. This is about how embarrassed they are when they do it, right? Okay, They're but going it, but to trade Damian this, Lillard. Okay, but, Period. but let's... Okay, yes, yes. And they're going to lose but, him, and they're going to be bad. And so there's no protecting yes. their competitiveness next year sure. or the year after the year after. They're going into a rebuild. They acknowledge it again when they release that statement. Sure. The only th- Let me ask you this, though. Is he putting out the statement if Damian Lillard is getting traded by the Knicks or the Lakers or pick a, pick one of the other mega teams in the NBA? If he's getting traded by the Heat to Portland in an, in a, in the, in an alternate version of this trade scenario— is this a statement if these exact same things happened and it's a big market team trading? Is this happening? Well, so then you're getting into what I think the real concern is, right? Which is the protection that the Blazers need is to to have it be seen that there are forces on their side to allow them to get the best return for Lillard. Mm-hmm. If they're going to trade him either way, then what Goodwin doing this and Lillard doing this, going so hard on offense does, is it limits the likelihood that other teams will make a godfather offer to get him, which means Portland has to deal with Tyler Hero and everything else, right? So I think that that is probably where I can see the need for the protection or kind of defense to be played by the league if Portland can't play it themselves or whatever. But I also kind of just feel like if Portland is this put off by the whole thing and so determined to like be the wrench in the system and there was already an offer out there that would allow them to get more, wouldn't they have just traded him somewhere else? Like if there was some mystery Knicks offer out there that was Quentin Grimes and a bunch of first round picks and Josh Hart and whatever Mitchell Robinson like I don't know wouldn't they have just traded into the Knicks if that whole if that whole thing was in place wouldn't they have just done that like that's the fundamental thing here is Miami's the only team bidding is what it seems like yeah and that 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 is the part of where I think we're in alignment on is like that's that's not Portland's fault that that's just that's just the market. I think that might have been the Brendan. I think that might have been the case even if Miami was if Dame really didn't want to go to Miami. I really kind of think like he's thirty three and he's making a ton of money. Those are yeah. two things. That, as good as Dame is, as great of a season as he had last year, if you are a team that is looking to make a big move, I can understand the market not being super super high for a thirty three year old point guard who's not a great defender who. Is going into is closer to the end than beginning at this point. Even if there's still maybe like you would think like three, four, five years left, then that price tag, the defensive concerns, the age stuff, like it might not be like I think like even if Aaron Goodman hadn't been like he really wants to go to Miami, I think we might have been here anyway. I think Where that's very only possible. Like one or in two this. teams interested. Yeah, I mean, to me, yeah. it's really like it's the it's that he's small, it's that he makes so much money, and that his position is stacked. You know, there's not a lot That's of teams the other that are like, oh, we need a guard, you know, like we really yeah. need a scoring guard. Even even if he's the best at that, which you could say he is, I just don't think there's a lot of teams that look at it like that's we're that away, right? So I, I think well, I think let, that's probably let's, true. Let's look through the East for a second. Let's just say Portland's like gotta trade him to the East. Let's just say like there's a world where they feel like they have to get they have to trade him out of the conference. Let's run through like the good teams in the East and just. And I mean, do this. Philly should be the one to make an offer. And we talked about it with so, Maxi last show. 
Sure, but let me let me let me hit these teams and like let there, there's going to be like two teams on this list that like actively could need a point guard. Miami, I think, could use an upgrade. I I get it. Yes, like yes. The Bucks, no, they have Drew. The Celtics, like I get them not doing this trade. I absolutely get it. Philly, yeah, I think there's a real argument for it. The Cavs, the Cavs aren't going to trade Darius Garland in like no. as he's for for Donovan for excuse me for Damian Lillard at this point. The Knicks have Jalen Brunson. Okay, mm-hmm. the Nets were six last year. They're not on that stage. The Hawks are not doing Trey Young for Damian Lillard. The Raptors not in that phase. The Bulls not in that phase. The, you go down the list. There's not like a an overwhelming amount of teams for, that should be all in on a Damian Lillard trade right now. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, that's probably what is at the root of all this. Is that and I think you're right about this. Is that Portland is in a spot where they probably feel like they're going to take an L, even if they got Scoot, who we love. And it's going to be a hard pivot from here, and it's going to be a hard thing for them to sell. Yeah, I think maybe the last place that they're going to be able to just like twist the knife on Miami, because I do still think he's going to end up on the Miami he's, Heat. He's going to be on the Miami Heat before opening day. I think that's where this still ends up. I just, I'm so like, I think just scarred by the Kevin Durant thing last year of going through it on the side of the team who is always going to get the player and just feeling the ridiculousness of all the 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 hoopla and the uproar that has to surround this just to protect like the the dignity of the owner like the the ability to go to a party in New York City and like not have everybody laugh at you or something like that's really what we're talking about I, I, it's like they're gonna get a good offer. Is it the the very best trade that you could cook up in a lab? No, but the idea that the league is like clutching its pearls over this, or that Portland needs some sort of protection in order to make a trade that's going to adequately, like it's it's gonna be seventy five cents on the dollar. Brendan, can I? It's here, fine. I want to make one more. Yeah, I want to make one more comp about this that I that I think. If Adam Silver, if you're watching or listening to this, I think you'll 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 please listen to this. Adam Silver, subscribe, share with your friends. Adam Silver has had a a push to really take a lot, I think, from European soccer. We see that with the tournament. I think you see that with league financing. I mean, the Qatari are you know own a big big clubs in Europe, and they have a five percent stake in the Wizards now. I think there's a lot that he has looked at and liked about the European model. You know what's an inherent part of the European model, Brendan, that is like not super fun for teams? It's that sometimes well, sometimes piggybacking what? off your last point, I'm assuming you're gonna say that there's absolutely no parody. <laughs> well, it's not even the parody thing, it's that like teams lose their really good teams lose their really good players at times to markets and to teams for seventy five cents on the dollar. For you cannot replace the value of Portland one to one if you're Damian Lillard, no matter what you get back. There's not a I don't think for what he means culturally, what he's meant for that organization, from a leadership perspective, all of that stuff. Even if you got a bang, a gangbusters overwhelming package back for him, you're never going to get a one for... I, I do not believe, even if you got like like value, you can argue the value stuff with contracts and all that stuff. I think like culturally, when you factor that in, you're never going to get one-to-one value for your really high-end star players when you have to trade them. That is just like a... That is just a problem... <laughs> For yeah. team that that this is like a very soccery problem. Like look look, Astonville loses Jack Grealish. Tottenham's going to lose Harry Kane to Bayern. T- Tottenham's going to m- maybe get a hundred million dollars, right, to go spend on other players. 
because yeah, they're exactly they're that's that's where my mind goes when you're saying that is the the very idea in American sports in the NBA that there is such a thing as a trade that you have to move a player by yes. a trade you get something back like even that in and of itself is already plenty of of structure in place and and again yeah. it, it even if it's whatever they can get from like Brooklyn for hero and and we've all talked about the packages and beating that into the ground if it's the package that we all know it to be of three to four firsts and you know Caleb Martin and a, and a salary or two we don't we don't need to pretend like that's the worst possible package of stuff just to make like Jody Allen feel better like that Look, that just it, is where yeah. I, it just feels so ridiculous to finish my point from before though yeah. I think yeah the timing part of this is where they're going to just like, that's going to be the one way to claw back the pride. They're going to do it during training camp or right before the season. So, because they don't care, they're going to go into their stuff knowing and planning as if Scoot is our guy. Maybe Damian Lillard doesn't even go to, to, to Portland training camp and they'll do the deal and they'll just say, there's one last twist of the knife you don't get to integrate this guy the way you want to. Like, I, I, I think it's just going to be something petty like that that's going to be like the little bow on this whole saga. And, and then we're going to... Portland fans and Portland executives are going to feel like they, they got something. The person that I will feel honestly the most bad for in all this is Scoot because he's going to get asked a bunch of questions that are not really fair for him to answer. But I get why you ask him them, but like it's not going to be super fair to ask Scoot a bunch of questions about the damn trade. Like that's well, when like I want the owner also to talk up to the Trailblazers, right? Well, I mean, they don't want him to saying, have to like, do that. They could say yes tomorrow, or or they could, or if they want to like have someone take the like the fall in a way that doesn't always happen, throw Joe Cronin out there, put ownership out there. This is like a sports wide thing where it's like the people that aren't always like really responsible for these things have to like answer for them and like yeah, like I empathize with like Chauncey Billups are gonna have to answer more questions about this than Joe Cronin and ownership, and that's or that's even a, worse that's a yet, it'll be you know team PR coordinator who makes like seventy grand a year having to go guys guys no questions about that scoot scoot's done for the day you know like it it's it's yeah and, and then and it's all to protect yeah. what again Jody Allen's pride or Joe yeah. Cronin's you know little first year on the job it's it's but ridiculous th- this, this gets back to my point it's like to actions. This, this gets back to my point, Brennan. Let's just be adults about this. This is part of life. This is part of business in the NBA. Let's acknowledge it, and I think it'll all be better for everyone. Honestly, we'd all think be that's better the player's off. argument, right? I mean, it's like we yeah. get whipped around and treated like shit, so if we want to make it a little messy, just because the rules aren't in place that make it legal for us to do so doesn't mean we, we don't have a right to do that as well, you know? Like, yeah. it's... We don't watch... It look, bothers we don't me watch, a lot. We also don't watch the NBA for ownership and the money they spend. We watch owners because of guys like Damian Lillard. If Damian Lillard wants to flex, I, I don't fucking care. That's fine. That's mm-hmm. that's really like on the extreme example. I've never been annoyed by some of the LeBron stuff because it's just like, yeah, I'm LeBron James. I'm going to like demand certain things. That's cool. And again, it's, it's, it's words versus actions, right? If Damian Lillard got traded to the Utah Jazz and refused to fill out, uh, fulfill the requirements under his contract, which is to perform as a basketball player as the entertainment product of the NBA find him to hell punish him bring the hammer down make him a make him a an example and I don't think anyone would disagree but it's like no. don't you dare mention that you might do something like it's just oh, it's I, it's ridiculous and again Damian Lillard is like a very like as a like a pretty well-known guy with a platform 
who was, again, at a very public boxing event in Las Vegas this weekend. If he really wanted to, like, make a bigger stink about this, he could have, and he's chosen not to. Yeah, exactly. It's really been, like, media leaks from his agent. Like, you've even said Dame a couple times, and I'm like, I don't even know if it's Dame. I really do think it's just the agent. Yeah. So And that's, like, the... Yeah, but, like... Dame makes it even more silly, because it's not... I understand that's his representation, that they're, like, you know, part and parcel, but it's not even, like, an actual player who you know, represents a team, represents the league doing this. It's an agent who, that's like kind of their job. Literally their job to get what their client wants and to maximize their situation. I like... Don't say stuff that embarrasses the owners. That is the, that's what the memo should have said. Seven words or whatever that is. This could have been a shorter memo. This was the TLDR here. Could have been, yeah. It's like, could have been an email for a meeting, but in this case, didn't even need to be an that, email. Okay, you're picking could up what else We are... Could have been a text like, "Hey, group group text." Slack. The group the own the owner the owner's group text. Yeah. Or the PR team that has to like communicate these things to the owners because like I'm just imagining I'm just I don't know if Dan Gilbert and and Matt Ishbia can be in the same group text. No, they probably blocked each other. The phones would malfunction or whatever. It, yeah, all their you know, so, you know various phones they've they've blocked and, each and every one of them. You know, you know, you know, you know. There's at least one that's got like uh that's that's gonna make the group the the group text green. Oh, there's all gonna the be old one. dudes probably have Androids or like flip phones. Look, I was like, as sometimes a flip phone sounds kind of nice. Not gonna lie, um, <laughs> sounds great. Just call me, only call me. Honestly, big big talk on the phone, guy. All right, that's it. We we got a lot out of this Dave Miller memo. Um, I would. Very excited for the World Cup to come. We can get some more basketball stuff. I also just want this trade to get done, Brendan. That's where I'm at. I want this well, trade to get done. We can talk about basketball next with Sabrina. We dive in deep on a bunch of That's, stuff. well, you know, you're setting up my segue. Coming up next, Sabrina Merchant from The Athletic. We're going to talk about the WNBA title picture. So stay tuned for more Just Basketball with Sabrina Merchant. Thrilled to be joined now by Sabrina Merchant from The Athletic. It's time for some more WNBA breakdown. It's time to talk about... I think I want to start with the New York Liberty because we're going to talk about contenders and pretenders today. And they feel like the team to me, Sabrina, just based on how they've played recently, based on their talent level, based on how I think their offense just functions and the varying ways that offense works. If I were to say there's a clear number two behind the aces in the title picture, particularly post this Candace Parker injury, which I'm sure will come up a little more as we go here. I think they have to be the number two for this title race, right? Yeah, just talent-wise, I think it's pretty clear that New York has the best chance of eclipsing Vegas. I mean, we were talking about it all preseason, right? Like, you put two former MVPs together, uh, Courtney Vandersloot, who, uh, in my opinion, could have been a finals MVP, and then you've got another all-star in Sabrina Nesco, another all-star in Benagelini. Like, it's an embarrassment of riches offensively, and it's kind of surprising that it hasn't worked out better than it has so far, but... You know, hey, it's 24 games into the season. Like, they have moments where they look ridiculous, like 44 points in a quarter ridiculous or, you know, 20-plus three-pointers in a game ridiculous. But um, I would expect that, like, this team has the highest offensive ceiling outside of Las Vegas. Do you think there's a chance they have a higher ceiling than Vegas? Maybe not offensively, but period. Like, is there a peak that you think they can reach – or do you feel like their best path, if, if these teams met in the finals, would just be like a little bit of luck, grinding it out a little bit, and, and uh, you know, maybe individual talent types of, of matchup stuff? 
Well, this is funny because I actually have a piece coming out on August 1st. So this is the day the podcast releases about it's kind of like a, a how to column on how to beat the aces. And okay, they're I little like pieces it. that, you know, the the Liberty have in there. But I really do think their best bet is just outscoring Las Vegas because mm. perimeter wise, I don't know how they're supposed to stack up defensively unless you just play a lot more Kayla Thornton and like Jocelyn Willoughby or, you know, like less Maureen Johannes and Sab and Sloot together. And then all of a sudden we're diminishing that offensive ceiling, right? A lot more is going through Sloot. And I'm not Sloot, through Stewie. Uh, but I do think like the real key to everything that New York is doing, and I find this like the key to every playoff, so many playoff series that I've watched in the last two years is what John Quill Jones are we getting? Mm-hmm. And, mm. you know, the last couple weeks, I think as she's gotten healthier, because obviously she had that foot injury during the off season that caused her to stop playing overseas and really limited her through the first month or so in New York. Like, are we getting aggressive John Quill Jones, the one that demands the ball inside, regardless of the matchup, because she's going to be taller than basically whatever center she's going up against, unless that's Tierra McCowan or Brittany Griner. And let's face it, if you're playing Brittany Griner in the playoffs and you can't handle that matchup, like something's gone incredibly wrong. <laughs> Sorry, Brendan. But yeah. like John Quill Jones should be, you know, dominating every single center matchup. And like the fact that she is now running these like four or five pick and rolls with Stewie and the three point has three point balls come around. And like if she's aggressive on the glass, I think that one two combination of Jones and Stewie like is really where New York needs to get its bread and butter. And to me, like it all comes down to that. Like, I don't think you're stopping Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray and Jackie Young on any one given night. I don't think you're stopping like. Asia Wilson, she's going to get hers. They're all going to get theirs. The thing is, like, John Quill Jones is exactly the kind of physical specimen that should be able to give Asia Wilson some difficulty. Like, she can protect the rim, and she can kind of credibly stay with her, like, as Asia tries to drive from outside the paint. Um, and then you have Stewie also, who's coming and helping, can also serve as a one-on-one defender. So, like, that combination, that tandem, on paper, if I were to design a defensive matchup for the Aces, like, that's the one. It just hasn't really come to fruition at all. Like, the two Liberty Aces games we've seen, the aces have been able to do whatever they've wanted. And granted one was a preseason game. And one of them was this ridiculous travel schedule where the aces have been home for a week and the Liberty came, you know, two days after playing Connecticut. So I, I get it, mm-hmm. but like, that's, that's what I've wanted to see since the start of the season is what do Stewie and JJ look like next to this Las Vegas front court? And it's a very different question now with Kia Stokes next to Asia Wilson, instead of mm-hmm. Candace Parker, like it's a lot less, I mean, it's a lot more on Asia Wilson, frankly, mm-hmm. but like when we watched them against the Storm in the playoffs last year, Kia Stokes was a starter. And the problem with the Storm was that, yeah, Stewie was getting the job done and they had great, you know, individual defense on the wings with Jewel and Gabby. Just no real rim protection when Tina Charles was in the game. And now you have the rim protector with John Quill Jones. And that that should be able to do something. And I just, I can't wait to actually see that realize. I hope we get to see it realize. I'm still not sure that that's enough to beat Las Vegas because, again, four starters can go for 20 points in any given night. And then, oh, there's Alicia Clark off the bench. Like, what do you yeah, do with sure. that? But at least there's a template, you know? Yeah. Brent, Brent yeah, well, you hit on this John Cole Jones thing like months ago when we were talking about the Liberty as her kind of at times feeling like a square peg in a round hole on what this team was. That yeah, feels it was, like it has shifted sun, right? Like it shifted a little mm-hmm. bit, it feels like, even if it's not like everything is perfectly meshed. It's like there's something clearly there, I think Sabrina Bessett outlined. I don't know if it was even fit. I just think she wasn't playing very well to start the season. Um, she just, uh, yeah, you know, maybe it was the injury. I would say it, it, to what I noticed, it was even less like, oh, she can't 
move as well or something related to just the the pain or whatever but more just it felt like conditioning it felt like you know the effort level and the intensity level of just how she was protecting the rim how she was attacking offensively and then that was seeping into her confidence and everything else it just look like a player coming back from injury I, I guess would be the the easiest way to describe it and I think it's a lot easier to make the case that that's all it was because she has been in so much better lately I think you know she won player of the week I think last week or the week before she had a couple of like big production games and uh the three-point shot she's been letting it fly more she's at 14 and 9 in July with like 60 40 90 uh shooting splits so she has looked much more like herself I thought defensively the game that they just played against the spark she looked really good um so yeah I I think that part has come around I think Sabrina Ionescu has adjusted her game a lot and that was one of the through lines I wrote about it for Dime early in the season that she felt like the player the kind of hinge piece who was going to have to do different stuff compared to what she did last year, maybe more than anyone else was going to have to. And obviously she's having one of the best three point shooting seasons we've seen. So that is, uh, that is going according to plan. I had this in my notes actually, and it's funny that we ended up here so quickly. I have three, uh, my Google doc, you're, you're allowed to use those little star bullet points. I have, uh, yeah. the case for them beating the aces and I have three star bullet points. Can I, can I go through my list? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So it was, uh, it, it's exactly what you said, Sabrina. I mean, it is, they're all offensive related. I have, uh, they have at least a chance to play Vegas even in transition, which I think is the ace, one of the ace's bigger strengths against a lot of teams. Like they dominated the, the wings that way last night. Um, I think, I think I trust the Liberty to at least play them even if, if they're at their best. I would say another point in the Liberty's favor is that they're a significantly better rebounding team and they're just bigger period. Like they have size at the wing spots, even somebody like Inescu, although she can get uh, bullied at times, like she has size. I know that, that Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum are also powerful players, but that is a strength that I think you would say the Liberty have. They have a 24% offensive rebounding rate versus less than 20 for the aces. And then the last one is it comes down to, to just, shot creation and I feel like if you're betting on anybody on either of those rosters to create a great shot the most consistently you're gonna go with Brianna Stewart so that's where I'm at right now and I I feel a lot better about the Liberty period and just how they might stack up against Vegas than I did at any point in the first couple months of the year the beauty of this is that we get this on Sunday we get this in less. We, we get this in less than a week. Uh, Brendan knows this, Sabrina. I have. I'm going to New York this weekend. I built my trip around this game because I like. I felt like I had to see this. I felt like I had to see it, and I at the first game did not give me optimism that I was going to get something competitive. I go into this one, and I think there's a chance that there's going to be something very competitive and very good. And then you get the Commissioner's Cup game in less than two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, about two weeks from when this episode comes out. I think exactly two weeks from when this episode comes out, but less than two right. weeks after the August game. August 15th, yeah. We're going to learn a lot these next two weeks, and I think to maybe move this to the aces a little bit, I think these next two weeks are going to give us a lot of data, a lot of film, a lot of feel, a lot of quotes, and two games against Liberty to tell us how they kind of are versus the pack post this Candace Parker injury. It's actually three games against the Liberty. They have another regular season game that's two days after the Commissioner's Cup. Uh, it's pretty fortuitous timing. So thank 
you know, the, the travel works out at least. Like I, you know, I mentioned earlier, yeah. some of the games on the WNBA schedule are just like, we talk about NBA schedule losses. Like there are legitimate WNBA schedule yeah, losses. Just, yeah, just based on travel. Um, and I don't think that's going to be the case this time around. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm so excited to get more, more data because like the Aces without Candace Parker uh, just to me have a lower defensive ceiling than they did before. Like we were still sort of figuring out how Candace worked offensively. And like, I liked that Becky Hammond was keeping her attached to Chelsea Gray in all of her minutes because like that's a pick and roll combination. You know how that works. And then when she played with Asia, she was kind of like out of the short roller, like entering those pockets where, you know, you still use that high screen from Asia Wilson with Chelsea and like Lord help you if you're trying to guard that. <laughs> and then you just, you always have like two rim protectors on the court. So Asia can play on the back line and you can put Candace on the perimeter or you can put Candace on the back line or key on the back line. And then Asia pays, plays on the perimeter and there's just so much versatility when you have Candace Parker there, especially like you talk about playing even in transition, who better to start a transition possession than Candace Parker? Like when four players on your team can lead that outlet and now it's only three, like it's, it's different. Like that's, a, it seems marginal, but like when everybody but Asia can like lead a break, it's a lot different than like, Oh, only like the bigs still have to run. Like this is a more conventional type of fast break. Um, like we haven't really seen it yet. Like they've, They've won every game by double digits since Candace got hurt. Uh, I do think like a lot of these scores are pretty high. You know, like teams are scoring more in the paint. Um, it doesn't like Asia Wilson. My goodness, like six blocks against the Wings the other day. Uh, I think her defensive player of the year case has just taken a huge leap in the last two weeks. The amount of ground that she has to cover without Candace, but like. Like one of the things, like you said, when you're playing Las Vegas, is you just got to hope for some luck. And unfortunately, yep. this is some luck that has gone the other 11 teams' way because the rotation hasn't gotten any deeper, right? Like, Kayla George doesn't play. Um, Kia Stokes, Asia Wilson, those are the only bigs. Alicia Clark is basically your backup for maybe some Jackie Young minutes there. But, like, it's it's thin. And, like, I'm not saying that, like, foul trouble is ever an issue because for some reason, foul trouble is literally never an issue for the Aces. I don't know how they manage it. Like, it's a very disciplined defensive team in that regard. But at some point, like, it's just easier to think that someone has an off night when the rotation is only seven versus eight. And with all that Candace does, like, there's more to attack, I think, than there was before. I... It's good that they're playing each other because the thought that I keep having as I pull the Aces schedule up is who else can really challenge or sort of expose that weakness? Like it is such a specific thing where you would look for, is there a, a pr like paint pressure player who's really going to worry them? And mm -hmm. I don't even necessarily know if outside of just sort of the motion and passing that the Liberty have that they are even quite that team. Um, it, it the, the aces have like two or three players who would necessitate having rim protectors uh, on their own team. So maybe they're just hogging them all. But um, I'm, I'm, I think that being that they're the only real team that can beat them, uh, the Liberty and that they're the only team who can expose some of this because their offense is, is potent enough to really make it a, a concern. I think it's going to be good. I just keep watching this team and it's like one of those basketball teams where you just like get poetic, you know, like I, <laughs> their, their, their unselfishness is just insane. Like it really is crazy to click into place as players it's not instantly that the the main core has been there for a while and even Chelsea's now been there for 
quite a bit of time, but it's it's one thing to look at talent and be like they can create gra- you know they have individual gravity and that should just make them impossible to guard because you can't double team any of them you can't leave any of them open you you just have to try to kind of cross your fingers that they miss and contest as well as you can and this and that it's another thing for like that that agglomeration of talent to actually do it and it's crazy I, I think that they feel like a juggernaut maybe more for that reason to me than anything else uh, is just like that that they play together so well and then you flip to the liberty side and like they just feel like i've watched andy brondello offenses for a long time this feels by far the most complicated that i've ever seen like and they're executing it they're good they really have explosive explosive scoring nights a lot of the time but sometimes i'm like the amount of action going on in the half court (laughs) is just absolutely insane like it almost it's such a collision of styles in that way where it's like on the one hand not to say the aces don't run anything but they just use the sheer power and unselfishness and ability. And then on the other hand, it's like scurrying like rodents. You know what I mean? On a, in a half court, it's, it's weird. Um, but I, I think the collision and all that stuff is going to make it a, a really fun matchup. I was going to ask you guys to make, to, to make it a little lighter um, for a moment here. Watching these games on Prime Video, which is what uh, two of the three sure. of these matchups are going to be on. Two of the three. Oh, dear. Yeah. The creepiest <laughs> commercials that I think humanity has ever created. Like an oh iron, I think, is one that I saw. Just like the the experience of watching sports on Amazon and having to just sit there while they try to brainwash you to buy their creepy, weird, bizarre, like no uh, off-brand products. I have to admit, it it's going to make the experience worse. It's It's very bizarre. I will say that watching games on Amazon this season is the only reason that I started watching Jury Duty on oh sure amazon sure. prime show worth and it. that that definitely was worth it so you know if like something else like that comes up during my amazon prime viewing experience don't let them hear you say that sabrina i think <laughs> they're gonna think that it's working on us and they're gonna want to put more sports on and as long as we don't have that ridiculous like crash test dummy animation thing that they had during the first commissioner's cup do you remember that during the seattle connecticut game this. Oh my god! Yeah, Chris. You know uh, it's 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 on my pantheon of like basketball related things that give me horror stories. It's like up there with like Pierre the Pelican. Okay. When he was just like peak, like and pop out of the closet and like hurt you kind of vibes like that. Like mm. it's not it's not something I want to ever see again. I I I forgot that it existed for a second. And then you said that, and I'm like, oh. I apologize yeah, for right. bringing that it's back a, into your front. It's of okay. Brent, Brendan's just a lucky person who doesn't ever have to know that that existed really that's cool don't go petition to have amazon advertise normal things like just give me like plastic bags or you know like household goods but some of the stuff it's like these commercials for for the marvelous mrs mazel and (laughs) tv great like i i would love to hear more about their programming but just the products it's it just makes me feel like we're living in a dystopia which maybe we are uh yeah i have bad news for you brendan Who do we want anyway. to talk about next? Well, I, I think we should go to the Wings because they feel like they feel to me like the team that has kind of forced themselves into this conversation a little bit more, maybe more than the Sun, who we kind of, I think, had expectations for in a different way. I think the the Wings, I think the Wings have put themselves into this group in a in a kind of forceful way. Yeah, one of the things I love about the Wings uh, is that they only play like seven players. So it's basically their starters, Kalani Brown, you know, maybe a little Awak, and then like some backup point guard. So it's like 
the rotation is very tight. And I think one of the things when you're playing Las Vegas is they don't have any lulls, right? Either Asia or Chelsea, plus Kelsey and Jackie is on the court at all times. Like you've got two all-stars on the court for 40 minutes and you can't afford any downtime in your rotation when you're playing Vegas. And so I think like that's one of the things that worked for Connecticut last year was, you know, Kurt Miller notoriously played really tight rotation in Connecticut. And you're seeing that with Dallas is like Arike's playing 37 minutes. Natasha Howard's on the court all the time. Uh, Satu, like it's just the quality doesn't diminish all that much. And so I think the fact that their starters are capable of going and playing at that high energy level for such a long period of time really works in their favor. I've had a ton of fun watching those matchups between Dallas and Las Vegas. Like, you know, the the history of Tier McCowan and Asia Wilson dating back to their SEC days and like Arike being far more efficient than I kind of ever imagined. Not just like from a shooting perspective, just her passing has been so much more impactful this year. Uh, it's and she's it's cutting. Really yeah. She cuts. <laughs> like, who, who would have thought? Um, and if you're like, we're going to design, again, like wing defenders to guard Asia Wilson, Natasha Howard and Asia, um, Natasha Howard and Sachi Savali are like pretty perfect in that respect. Chris, we were talking about a couple weeks ago that we each did our five players who have defined the WNBA season. And we were talking about who to pick from Dallas. I'm here to admit, like, we, we just missed the mark. It's Satu Sabali. Um, like, I, I think she's making a case to be one of the legitimate best players in the league. She's seventh in win shares. She's only, she's one of only three non-aces to be in that top seven too. So if you kind of like consolidate the aces into one person, uh, she's fourth or whatever you want to do there. Um, and I just like, speaking of who she guards, like this, this week they played the Liberty and, or recently they played the Liberty and the the aces she guarded stewie and then kelsey plum like mm-hmm. who even can get that assignment let alone like do a decent job at it she had a double digit assist game the other day where she just looked like one of the best like, live ball passers that you have watched this year just like picking out cutters and you know getting the ball up the floor in transition and all these different things combined with the scoring and shooting that you know we, we knew she was bringing with her from Oregon, uh, it, you know, I think the three of us talked about her at the beginning of the year as a potential breakout player, and we were like, well, if she stays healthy, that's the big if, and I guess this is what happens when she figures it all out and is able to stay on the court. Like, the talent's always been there. Like, she is maybe the most unheralded is is a better way to put it, but I do think, like, by the end of the season, we might think of her as kind of a no-brainer, like, top five player in the league. Well, I, I think the health part of it is the biggest thing. I mean, I, I feel like the health part of it, we take that for granted sometimes that sometimes like health can really derail you and health can really change the trajectory of careers. I mean, we've seen that both in the WNBA in a lot of cases, you see it in the NBA in a lot of cases. She could have been someone, I think, easily if things had just broke gotten a little broken a little bit differently, whatever it is. And I don't you know, I haven't seen you guys may have seen something I hadn't, but like I haven't seen like a quote or like a detail of her like did she do something different i feel like we're missing like the explanation that we sometimes get with nba guys when they're like ah yes i did xyz and i didn't stay healthy or like there was all the stuff with clay last year right where he's like i didn't play pickup for a whole summer right like what did she do which seems insane by the way i just want to for the record that seems like an insane <laughs> thing to do if your job is to play professional basketball to so not play pickup for an entire summer but her path to being healthy and being the best player in this team getting a triple double and being at the forefront of a team that, when you look at their their profile and, and how they play, 
I bet you they're really annoying to play. I believe first in the league in second chance points and first in the league in fast break points. Mm-hmm. You know how annoying that must be? Like, you're not, you don't get, that is like the, the recipe to, for a team that is never going to let you chill. There is no like, ah, we could sit in a half court defense and like, it's fine for a minute. They're constantly pushing you in these two ways and, sh- and she's very much at the front of it. Well, and in terms of getting lucky or kind of getting the margins to go your way, they control the possession game, right? Because they're going to get a mm-hmm. ton of offensive rebounds and they're going to be dominant in transition. So, I mean, even if the physical stuff, you know, you can like deal with that, it's also just like legitimately a more difficult style of basketball to deal with. You're not going to get easy advantages against that team in the same way that you might other younger teams or, you know, uh, less talented, less deep teams, which you could say about different points of their roster. Like they don't have a typical like starting caliber point guard. They don't have the depth as Sabrina referenced, but they, they, they're going to own these categories of, of the game then, and just make you kind of respond to that. And I even think you saw the aces in the game last night. Like they were much more aware of and, and like game planning against Tierra McCowan than they did the first time when she really, kind of owned them and helped those games be so close. They were bringing her out of the paint intentionally. They were letting Asia be a playmaker more and all these different things. So I, I think even just that, it kind of indicates it. But what chance do you give them, Sabrina, to actually do this and be a, you know a tough out in the playoffs against these two top teams or maybe even beat them? I'm going to give them a zero chance of beating the Aces. Um <laughs> I apologize if that's <laughs> too harsh, <laughs> but um, I mean, one thing we haven't talked about is like just coaching like Becky Hammond, mm-hmm. admittedly only her second year as a head coach, but I think we learned last year is pretty capable of pushing the right buttons down the stretch. And we just don't know if LT is that yet. Like they did win a two point game against Las Vegas earlier this season, but like until, until we know what she looks like in the playoffs, I'm just going to give that advantage to Hammond. Uh, as far as the Liberty, you mentioned the possession game. The Wings had a game against New York where they committed two turnovers. Like That's unbelievable. And that kind of points to a problem with New York. Like, I don't trust them to always make plays defensively. And yeah, I get it. Like, sometimes they're raining threes and you just can't keep up with it math-wise. Like, that Sparks game on Sunday, like if, if twos were worth as many as threes, like, the Sparks would be right in it. But they were just not even close. Uh, I just like I think that possession game kind of does make some things interesting for Dallas in terms of a Liberty matchup because New York is a little bit more careless with the ball and that's I mean a part and parcel with them passing all the time like they lead the league in assists that's going to result in some turnovers but you know just like physically like John Quill Jones doesn't have that size matchup against Tara McCowan and Satu Sabu and Natasha Howard can do some things against Brianna Stewart and like Who's supposed to guard Arike? Like, that's a tough matchup for Benajelini. That's a tough matchup for Sav and Slute. And so mm-hmm. I, I think, like, it's a more interesting matchup against New York. I, I think it'd be fun if they were to finish, like, 2-3, and that would be a semifinal. But I think Connecticut is probably going to end up there. I, I don't know. But I, I would love to see a Dallas-New York series in the playoffs. And on the Sun, would you put them, Sabrina, above or below the wings in your hierarchy? If if the if the wings are at zero percent chance of beating the Aces, are the, <laughs> are the Sun also at zero, or are they above zero? See, what's interesting is I think the Sun on balance are better than the wings. Like if the Sun were to play the wings, I think I might take the Sun in that matchup. But I think the Sun have like zero chance of beating New York. 
Whereas Dallas, mm. you know, like give me like 33% chance right now. Um, I just don't see it happening with Connecticut because they've never been able to figure out Stewie just ever. And like for all of Liz Thomas's gifts as a defender, just, it's never quite worked out. Like Stewie just defies all of that. So it's weird because like I was, you know, I think everybody was riding this real wings high, you know, after they'd beaten the Liberty and they'd beaten the aces and they were on this like five game winning streak. And then Connecticut just goes into Dallas and Dewana runners like, at that and like I can still do this um and like that matchup I think kind of favors Connecticut because they really live in that muck and that physicality you know but I just don't think that works against New York in the same way yeah it just to me feels like the sun are and I don't even it's gonna sound obvious to say they're one piece of way away right they're one like pre-jones maybe consistent <laughs> scoring threat yeah exactly and that's why it's gonna sound obvious but I don't even necessarily know I, I might have still felt that way if she hadn't gone down like maybe I should say one more perimeter mm-hmm. scoring threat right and like they have some options between Dijanae and, and Ty Harris and whatnot and obviously Tiff Hayes has been a, a nice addition for them but um they just that 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 would be it where I, I could just see games against uh the aces or the liberty both where it's close for three quarters and then you know ends up being a 12 point loss something like that like when when it really kind of the chips are on the table the rotations are shortened and and players are at their best and you know those schedule losses aren't so much of a factor i have Mm -hmm. liked watching connecticut more this year i feel like they're kind of rebalancing in a better way and and they aren't Maybe it's just the staleness of you watch something for so long. Uh, that that might be a personal preference more than what it actually has to do with them beating the the other teams. But um, yeah, I just I just find them even against inferior teams. I'm like it just like one one shooter, you know, would go such a long way. Somebody who could just put up five threes a game and and make a bunch of them would would just really help this team. And you know, they're in the first year of what's kind of a reset, so that's fine. But I don't think they have that kind of like high ceiling or certain areas where they're going to dominate in in the same way that I would say, you know, the wings do, or, you know, even like Minnesota, who's your, uh, your number two on your power yeah. rankings this week, Sabrina, <laughs> like some teams where you're just like, they're going to mess with stuff in a way that's going to give them a chance or the dream with their shooting potentially could, you know, like, I just don't see that with Connecticut. That's kind of basic analysis, but that that's where I come away watching them. I do feel like Bonner is single-handedly trying to be that extra shooter, just like her <laughs> yes, and yes. another one. She's and like, let I, me just I, double how many I'm taking, and that'll be the extra. I will say, I underestimated how good she could still be this year. Mm. Um, just her ability to get to the line, too, and defensively, she's been so much more effective than I thought she was capable of. Like, she was fronting Tierra McCowan the other day. Like, that's mm. insane to put up 32 points on one end and then, like, basically be a center defender on the biggest big in the WNBA. Like... Uh, can't give enough credit to what Bonner's doing this year. Like she's going to make that. Like I've kind of had Alyssa Thomas as my MVP for most of the season. It's the last week has made me really consider if Asia Wilson is number one on that list now. Mm. But like all W boys, I I got to figure out what to do with Bonner. Yeah, I like it. So why did let me let me ask this as a way to kind of maybe wrap this up? If why are the links not on this list? Okay, so the power rankings wise, I mean. Frankly, I was just trying to have some fun this week. Like they, I know, which, which yeah. I respect. That's that's the way to do it. <laughs> they they won every game this week, right? They they beat 
the Liberty and the Sun on the road, both like very well executed games down the stretch, which to me is somehow even more impressive than like if they had just routed them the whole way and neither team had put up much of a comeback. Admittedly, New York was without Sloot on a back-to-back, but like a home back-to-back, I just don't give as much credence to. Like if you're still in New York sleeping on your own beds, do better, you know? Um, but like, Agreed. there's just so many individual pieces I really like on Minnesota. And, you know, talking about coaching, I have a ton of faith in Cheryl Reeve to push the right buttons, except for starting the season with the correct starting point guard. But like, we're past that point, so it's good. It's not a problem. Um, like, you've got Fee, who's an MVP candidate, that they're winning without her. I, I still don't really understand. I feel like these teams must have underestimated them, but putting her back into what they're doing, like, only raises the level because she's, like, I always say about Fee, if she were two inches taller, she'd, she'd be Stewie. And, like, she's just capable of doing so many things on the court. She's just not a ridiculous physical specimen like Stewie is. Uh, you've got Diamond Miller, who is just overflowing with confidence. Like, I, I love how she attacks mm-hmm. just every part of the court. And taking um, pull-up threes, like, oh my she's, God. you know, three Damian Lillard or something. New York at the end, like, that was, that was wild. Yeah. Um, they've got enough shooting. Like, Kayla McBride's been playing really well recently, just unconscious against those last two opponents. Uh, when Bantam comes back, that obviously offers another opportunity in terms of spacing. Um, and then, like, they're bigs. I remain a huge Jessica Shepard fan, mm-hmm. even though she's, like, been very limited in terms of how much she's been able to play in her WMA career. She's just so freaking physical and when you talk about being an annoying person to play against, Shep has got to be like top five on that list. She just makes it so uncomfortable to guard her or to be guarded by her. And she, you know, controls the glass really well. She's just really smart in terms of how she positions herself, like for high lows and things. I, again, I just like so many of the things that they have going on and like they're, they're playing really well. And I just wanted to recognize that. I don't know that this is like sustainable because again, this is, a stretch that has occurred without Nafisa Collier. And when Nafisa Collier plays, they're basically a tire fire when she's on the bench. So I don't know how to reconcile those two things. Um, but yeah, like I I don't want to ever think of a team in terms of how would they match up against Las Vegas. And like that's the ultimate barometer of how good they are because it's just an unfair standard to be held against, right? But I do think that you put Minnesota right now against any other team in the league and like I could see them winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. I hate to kind of like count them out so soon. I just don't think they have the talent to really like, you know, make a deep run. But I do feel like you just look at, I pulled up their cap sheet. They ha- they're, they don't have a lot of players under contract next year outside mm-hmm. of Collier and Diamond Miller um, and a couple That's others. A good start. <laughs> exactly. And Jessica very Shepard, good start. who you mentioned yeah. and, and everything. So it's like, you start there, and and that is a place people want to play. That is an organization that's been invested in uh, historically. I would expect that to resume and continue, even with new mm-hmm. ownership. So great fans at the Target Center too. Great fans, great coach. Like if they can get one or two free agents and maybe sign some uh, better investments than you know what Ariel Powers ended up being, for instance, or, or Natalia Chanwa and, and other players have kind of not panned out for them. If they can nail that, like I think next year is when you really start to like. Collier in her prime and, you know, Diamond Miller getting better and what can you do from there? Like, they've at least reset things and found some role players and gotten Diamond Miller in there where I'm like, all right, like we're back on track in Minnesota, whereas the past few years, you know, with the Maya and, and Sylvia and everybody leaving over time, it's just been kind of, okay, maybe a longer reset than we wanted it to be, but you can see the shape now. And the fact that they're winning is kind of crazy. I, it's like one of those where you're like, 
do I kind of want them to lose and get a higher draft pick? But they've been doing that for a while, so I, I, I don't want to wish yeah. that on a, on a team that has a lot of uh, good history. But yeah, that, that's where I'm at with them. I'm like, okay, 2024, like little futures bet or something, like get, count me in there for sure. Let's end on the odds. Here's the odds as of right now, according to our friends at BetMGM, for WBA Finals winner. Aces minus 350. Jesus. Liberty plus two. Yeah, it's very, they're like, it's like, ah, yes, they're still very good. Like, we're talking yeah. ourselves into some of this to some degree because that team is ridiculous. Liberty plus 275. The Sun are plus 2,500. The Wings are plus 2,500. Mystics plus 8,000. Dream Sky Links all plus 15 thousand sparks plus 20,000 and then uh we're into a bunch of teams that have even higher odds than please Los don't Angeles waste sparks. your money friends <laughs> <laughs> some of those i i hope nobody would even look twice at i mean brendan ten dollars on the phoenix mercury at plus 50,000 you know five thousand dollar return even ten dollars on the wings seems that. like a decent bet right now <laughs> yeah i i mean look i ten. If I were going to go today just to be frisky among the three here, I I think I would just – I'm going to – I would go Liberty. I think if I was going to go today, I'm just going to feel frisky and say, give me – That's give me the smart bet because, I mean – That's the one you can make – well, that's the one you can make money on if you're well, doing this for gambling They also purposes. have to play somebody in the finals. You know what I mean? Like once you're there, yeah, right, things can happen. Right. So it does kind of feel like those are a little out of whack. Like if you compare that to what the series price would be when the finals actually start, I'm sure it's more – uh you know closer to even yeah yeah it's gonna yeah. be closer by that point so now's a great time to do it sounds like but but even independent of a betting sense i think if i was gonna go today i think i would feel frisky and just pick the liberty if i was gonna do that today and you had I'd a lock in my pick and pen i think if i was i think i'm feeling frisky enough that i'm, I'm gonna go liberty chris you're just and then probably you're getting primed this. to be a liberty fan this weekend because you will be at a home yeah. game and you're yeah. just trying to you know get in the vibe get in the mood i feel like that's what's uh going. yeah you know we're going with our uh den of geek fr- i'm going with my den of geek friend chris longo and i also brendan i'm used to as a tottenham hotspur fan as a cleveland sports fan uh i'm used to setting myself up for pain so uh, that's really just what i'm doing here love it would you go ace would you guys go aces if you had to pick today like who's gonna actually win it is it still the aces I yeah. think you have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just I'm just throwing darts. You're at just the wall, a right? content king. We got Sabrina I putting mean, the links at two in the power rankings. We got you making an upset pick in the finals. Like, and you're and you're out here doing nothing for Diana Taurasi in the late stages career. It's unbelievable <laughs> from you, Brendan. Like, what are we doing? Uh yeah. Sorry. Sorry to everybody in Phoenix. Um, yeah. Sabrina's Another moment that Amazon might happen Prime. on yeah, Amazon yeah. Prime Video is Diana Taurasi hitting 10,000 points this week. <laughs> Yeah, we should plug that for sure. Read that. We can put it in the description and whatnot too. The uh, ten, what is it? Ten for ten thousand? Is that what it's called? The uh, something story? like that. Just like ten stories of uh, people who have had to guard Diana Taurasi over the last twenty years of her WNBA career, and you know what that looks like in route to ten thousand points. Coming after she smacked Marina Mabry in the face. Just you know, a really I, perfect day. <laughs> it wouldn't be a Taurasi day without that. Honestly. No. I don't even think Marina no. made a big deal of it. I don't even think she realized like the slow-mo video that's going around. It's like, did she even get mad or register what was happening? It doesn't seem like it. And everybody is now getting very angry on the internet, which is having spent some time works. around Marina. I can guarantee you she has slapped someone on a basketball court. too. <laughs> Probably who, who among us stop me. I've Honestly, it's, it's really like a, you know, it's like a, a passing of the torch from Diana. To yeah, Marina. true. It is. It's a slapping of the torch, a slapping of the torch. <laughs> Should be on a t- that should be on a t-shirt, honestly. I'd wear it. 
I would too. Someone make that and then send it to Sabrina, Brenda, and I. We would we would love that. All right, let's end there. Just basketball show. Thank you so much for Sabrina for coming on. Sabrina, you've plugged a couple of things. Any final things you want to plug for either you're doing at the Athletic right now or anything else that we should be looking forward to at the Athletic before we get out of here? I mean, those those are the three things, right? Like why uh, why I had Minnesota to Diana Tarazi, ten for ten k, and then uh, my my how to column coming out on August first about what I think it takes to beat the Aces. Read that. Be sure to read that. We'll be back later this week with more Just Basketball. Until then, peace out, everyone. Enjoy the hoops.